Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash canadaland to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. So Scott Vroman. Yes. Economist. Yes, former economist. Comedian. Although I don't know if it ever leaves you. Yes, a current comedian, hopefully. Comedy writer. Yes. Toronto Star commentator. Mm-hmm. A professional opinion haver. Welcome to Shortcuts. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Laura Bouchard, Michael, Matthew Benson, Kiosh Isselin, Kevin Craig, Brock Warner, S. Deneau, Krista Spur, Christine Cook, Alex Wilson, and Brent Morris. Brent, why did you decide to be awesome? Because I think the best way to ensure that advertisers don't uh, affect the media that we consume is to pay for it ourselves. And Canada Land is my favorite podcast. This episode is also brought to you by Camp Tech. Camp Tech provides workshops for grown-ups who want to learn how to do computers better. So this isn't like dull corporate training or super technical coding lessons that take months. These are half-day to full-day workshops where you learn practical stuff that you can use about things like Google Analytics or online retail or Photoshop. CampTech's founder, Avery Swartz, tells me that when people come for one of her workshops, they tend to come back for more. We tend to have people that come and take like 
five, six, seven classes in a row. They kind of like binge on on their tech skills and then they go and apply them for a bit and then maybe come back around later. So is it just a vanity metric <laughs> yeah. likes on Facebook? Or of course. Does it, does it get me anything if I get more likes on Facebook? <laughs> like, like, do you unlock level awesome if you yes. like hit a certain number? <laughs> no, of course not. Camtech's workshops are offered in Toronto, Ottawa, Kitchener-Waterloo, and soon in Vancouver. They start at just 85 bucks. You can find out more about them at camptech.ca. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. First thing I want to talk about with you, Scott, is uh, the media's, really the lack of coverage to the Senate campaign season. They've been ignoring it completely. Mm -hmm. We really haven't heard a word about it. Why is the media falling silent on Senate elections? Uh, Well, I think sometimes when there's something new and fresh and they don't have a pre-existing narrative, it's hard for them to create a new one. So I've done my best to provide one for the election campaign I'm running that um, the vast majority of Canadians want the Senate reformed or abolished and change isn't forthcoming. And so our leaders talk a lot about how important innovation is. So I decided to innovate our democracy by uh, creating an election. Might the media be ignoring uh, Senate campaign season because there is no such thing as Senate elections in Canada? Well, I mean, there is now. I mean, there wasn't before April 7th. But once I announced my campaign, then the season started, I see no reason not to cover it as you would any election campaign. So We, re- we actually erred here in not disclosing that you are a candidate uh, for – the Canadian Senate. Yes. But I'm not sure 
that well, I could really be held accountable for that because again, there it's not it's not an elected body. There's no there's no such thing. And and a lot of and I've been surprised how many people don't even know that basic fact that our Senate is is appointed and mm-hmm. people are appointed for life until uh, they're seventy five. And I've learned a lot of interesting things about the Senate that I've been trying to impart as part of this campaign and. And so far, the the while some of the response has been confused, mostly it's been been positive. Who are you running against? I'm running against Colin Kenny, Linda Frum, and Don Meredith. Are they aware? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, the, I, there has been an attempt. Uh, I've sent emails, and I've I've kind of taken screenshots of my emails and put them online for people following me on Twitter or my Facebook group, One Zillion Strong for Scott Vroman for mm-hmm. Senate. And I think I was polite in asking about that, um, but I haven't. I mean, I assume. I mean, Linda Frum uh, is on Twitter, and I've I've tagged her repeatedly and and tried to speak to her directly, but I haven't got a response. But she must be aware at this point, I would think. What is she hiding from? One might ask. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I ha- She seems to really value democracy. She was a big supporter of the Fair Elections Act. And uh, and she said while while speaking about it that that it was good for democracy. I know she cares about democracy, so I don't see why she wouldn't want to um, talk to me. And I mean, Don Meredith is a, a noted scholar. I would think he'd want to flex his academic muscles mm-hmm. by by talking to to me. I'm not sure if people know this, but he received uh, an honorary doctorate from the Canadian College of uh, Clinical uh, Christian. Counselors, there's about five C's in it. I didn't know. No, it's it, not an actual school, uh, but they did give him a doctorate, and he does sign his uh, press releases, the Honorable Doctor Don Meredith. Mm-hmm. So I, I would think, being a scholar, he, he, you know, that he would want to do this, and I think he should go by doctor. Having I mean, recognized he, fictional institutions in the past. Yeah, I mean, he he has every right to call himself doctor. He didn't go to a, a non-school for no years to be mm-hmm. called mister. And then Colin Kenny has actually been very vocal in his written columns defending the status quo of the Senate. And he, him in particular, I'm most surprised, hasn't responded because he's been so vocal in the past that I thought he would love to engage me about this. So the first step, I guess, would be having your existence recognized. Yes, and I think I can – uh, I mean, the good thing about the the internet is I'm able to create a platform and videos and a, and have a a voice mm-hmm. and and speak to the to the people to Canadians and whether or not the you know quote unquote establishment recognizes it it's it is happening and if I win the election which is going to be held on the same day as a federal election I am going to Ottawa to take my seat and mm-hmm. I don't see any. Uh, problem with that. I don't see how they could have a problem with that, but I will replace whoever gets the least number of votes. It's like the biggest loser, except the biggest loser loses in this one. Well, I'm happy for Canada Land to break the media silence on the Scott Vroman for, Thank you. for Senate campaign. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I, I hope your listeners can, can get involved and, and help me campaign and, and help me win. Well, you know, I've never endorsed a candidate uh, for office before, and now uh, I think we should move on to the next segment. 
Finance Minister Joe Oliver presented the Tory government's first balanced budget in eight years and predicted a $1.4 billion surplus among the goodies delivered in this year's budget. There are new tax breaks for small businesses, manufacturing, and for Canadian families. For seniors and those with disabilities, a $1,500 accessibility tax credit to keep them in their homes longer. For families caring for loved ones, the compassionate care leave will be expanded as EI payments will stretch from six weeks to six months. But the biggest spending is on security and the military. Okay, we can't blame the media for ignoring uh, the budget. The media has been speaking about little else since the federal budget was announced. And, I mean, that clip from CTV News was... If I were to present that as as indicative of representative of the media's treatment, it would be unfair. I mean, that that was... That was torqued. Here are the goodies. It was very pro-budget. But really, you, you, you can't blame the media for failing to inform us. Like, I, I have been going over the coverage today, and uh, it's critical. And not just critical in the sense that it's negative towards it, but they really are getting into the details of mm-hmm. what was delivered beyond the headline of, oh, it's balanced. And I do feel a great sense of indifference and boredom on this topic, and it's not something that I can blame the media for. Yeah, I mean, like, I I was watching uh, coverage of this, and yeah, they've pretty much done their job. They're reporting the details of it. They're kind of at the mercy of the the government with this. I mean, they know this. They know they're going to get the coverage. They know this is kind of a show, so they're going to kind of write the script ahead of time and and. It's it's hard to kind of deviate from that. They've done a decent job of 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 saying you know yes it's surplus but it was deficit all these other years beforehand and and two billion dollars came of the contingency budget which is a pretty sketchy way to balance the budget yeah in a, when there's not any kind of economic disaster going on <laughs> and, and beyond rating the contingency fund I've learned you know that they have sold all of these uh, these auto industry shares in order to get the money that a lot of what they're promising isn't going to materialize for years and years to mm-hmm. come. Um, that, you know, uh, employment insurance, it's on the back of that. It, it's, uh, I mean, this is what the Globe and Mail said. It relies on a series of accounting moves that includes slashing the contingency reserve, assuming oil prices will climb, collecting billions more in employment insurance premiums than necessary. I mean, this always comes up with the media where it's you get focused on the details and you lose context and bigger picture. But one of the important things to always keep in mind with a budget is uh, that forecasts are complete BS. Like anything like where they're they're saying they're predicting what the oil price is or what they're relying on. Nobody knows what the oil price is. They're like we took 15 private sector forecasts, which all that means is they averaged out. 15 guesses for another guess. Right. So, and that wouldn't be different no matter, it doesn't matter what the political party is. Like, a more honest thing would just be not to have those types of forecasts or, or just make them a range, which would be more honest. But saying, like, three years from now, what the surplus is going to be, it's just dumb. It's nobody knows. Here, let's let's listen to, to this. I mean, I, I have to give the CBC credit here. It's, it's, the, it's from the CBC is where I learned that they had to sell these GM shares. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and here's... Carol Off on As It Happens, interviewing Kevin Sorensen, the Minister of State for Finance, and she's just being awesome here. One of the, the, the problems, you know, there's lots in here for seniors, you say small business. 
you have a whole bunch of young people, people in their mid-40s, younger, trying to start families, daycare expenses that are now into the $12,000, $10,000 a year for putting a kid into daycare. They've got housing prices that are half a million dollars in the big cities. What's in this for young folks? Well, I think youth, uh, again, uh, we, we've made some changes to student grants for students going to education. Listen, you know, we want to see... A, but what a else? Okay, grants for what? 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 Come how, in what, the years to come. La- we're I, willing to invest in ways that uh, is going to uh, help us achieve that. So we're making it easier for students to access student loans, even for some of those. But that I want to get to the trade. daycare things. Okay, the thousand well, dollars okay, a month you're going to get. How far is that going to go? What? What's your the the money that you're going to give to people to put their kids in daycare? And Sorensen goes on to say that well, he's you know creating wealth for Canadians in other ways, and that's what's going to benefit families. I think it's incredibly telling that when asked what you doing for people under 40? He says, making it easier to accumulate student debt. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, that's the thing with these budgets. You end up just talking about uh, political strategies and tactics rather than a lot of real issues because it, it is just uh, a sort of a, becomes a political show. There's a big focus on the importance of ha- having a, a balanced budget. And it, and it kind of is, but when you're dealing with a, an a economy that's like, a trillion dollars, you know, a billion dollars here or there isn't a huge thing, and which is why you see all these machinations to to make it balanced. But this is clearly targeted towards the conservative base, which isn't surprising, and mm-hmm. which is you know, older people. And there's really nothing in there for people under 40. You know, I did a, a previous episode on this generation squeeze concept that so much federal money goes to senior citizens. Even in that original CTV clip when they're talking about what isn't there for families, it's all for seniors, people with disabilities. It's all geared towards, you know, uh, geriatric Canadians who vote and, and who uh, the government spends like four times as much money on. With all of the facts that I have absorbed, which I've only really gotten into in preparation for this discussion with you, because I think I probably would have just flipped the page at the word budget otherwise, I still emerge with a sense that I can't shake of like, well, they're, they're good with the numbers. These conservatives, <laughs> they did it. You know, they can't take that away from them. They balance the budget. Yeah, there is this sort of common um, sense that conservatives are better with the economy and uh, left right-wing parties are better with the economy. Left-wing parties are better with social programs. But, I mean, it's all – it, it's all your perspective and priorities, and it's easy to kind of use the language of finance just to make people's eyes glaze over. Yeah. And uh, When the facts are that Harper added more debt to the economy than any prime minister yeah, in, or in they, history. I mean, even just look at this, the, like the military spending in there. Like I was thinking, um, you know, they were talking about how there wasn't anything about climate change in this budget. And Joe Oliver says, this was his discussion with Peter Mansbridge, says, well, it's, you know, we're, we don't want to do something that's going to cost us that doesn't really have any real effect globally. And yet we're spending, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on to drop 500-pound iron fragmentation bombs on right. co- countries thousands of, of miles away. Well, because we have to do our part of whatever that that is but it's there's a lot of double speak with that Joe Oliver also said today kind of like well sure you can point out problems with the tax free savings accounts but you know the best our critics can come up with is that this is going to be a problem for Canada in 2080 and we'll we'll let Harper's granddaughter worry about that and like it's yeah. like that's 
that's really weird. You know, and, like, <laughs> and the, the parallel with the climate change thing is amazing because it, it is the same thing. You, you are speaking to the same constituency. <laughs> People that don't give a shit about <laughs> 40 years from now, Yeah, we're, we're appealing to them in all sorts of different ways. I, I've never heard it so explicitly you mm-hmm. know, stated. Like, Refreshingly yeah. honest. Okay, Scott, I just want to uh, let people know what is on the website this week if they haven't had a chance to have a look. CanadaLandShow.com. got a couple stories. One about the RCMP banning a journalist from their press events in Yellowknife. This is a police reporter in Yellowknife, and we learned that this this guy is no longer welcome at the uh, RCMP's press events because the RCMP doesn't like his tone, so he's disrespectful, and uh, they say they don't see any benefit and having him come by. So we, we, we got some information on that and we looked into that and uh, people can read about it on the website. Are you are you a soccer fan? No. Yeah. <laughs> but I really want to be because it's so people have so much fun watching it yeah. together. I don't I, I I can't follow any sport and I uh, I also seem to uh you know experience other people having fun. That yeah. seems to be happening. Yeah. I'm jealous of people that get into it. Well, let's make it really hard for people. Uh the World Cup coming up in in Doha in 2022. In preparation for that, the Guardian had a series of of really shocking stories that like a thousand migrant laborers working under slave conditions have died mm. getting ready for the World Cup. And we wondered, well, here's FIFA planning this uh, with with Qatar and uh, FIFA sells broadcast licensing rights around the world over, over a billion dollars in, in, in these uh, deals. And they've sold it to uh, the rights in Canada to Bell. And we were, were curious what Bell has to say about the fact that an estimated 4,000 migrant laborers, some of whom are working in, in slave conditions, might die uh, to create the stadium and all the infrastructure for the World Cup. So we asked some questions about that, and uh, reporter Sean Craig has a story about that. Elsewhere in the media, I've never done this before, and in fact, Toronto Life magazine has gotten a fair amount of criticism on Canada Land, but they're having a really good week, and I just want to say something about it. And only half of this is self-interested. Uh, there's a wonderful story by Desmond Cole, who's uh, the, the host of uh, co-host of upcoming uh, Canada Land Commons. Uh, he has a, the cover story in Toronto Life, and it, it got like over a thousand retweets yesterday. It's all about uh, the racism he's experienced as a black guy growing up in Canada, specifically in Ontario. And uh, I wanted to just like alert people's attention to that, but also Toronto Life did something really cool. Maybe they had to do it, but a subject of their journalism filed for a, an injunction to stop them from releasing their current issue. This uh, this businessman, Michael Elder, found out that he was being investigated by Toronto Life. He hasn't read this story, and he asked a court to prohibit them from releasing this thing. And this, uh, Toronto Life fought this guy, and uh, and they won yesterday. And the court awarded them seventeen thousand dollars in costs for uh, the, you know what, what it cost them to fight that. And uh, it's just something that I feel like it sh- should be noted because that's just one less tool in the toolbox of people who want to stop the media from talking about them. And that's you know that's the kind of thing that other people pay attention to. So you know, word up. We need to talk about this thing that CBC is doing. We need to talk about CBC TV. Is this going to be difficult for you? Well, we have to disclose that I've made most of my money <laughs> over the past year from CBC TV. I've written for 22 minutes and a few other things, too. What uh, else have you written for at CBC TV? Uh, I did. Well, I worked on the Gillers, the Giller Awards. I helped them do uh, work on that, sh- the play exchange. Yeah. 
and um, and I've been involved in, in development with a couple of things, just helping out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm an interested party. So I'll I'll be I'll give my opinion, but it'll for, totally be biased. So you want to get hired back, maybe on on 22 minutes next season? Yeah, I'd like to go back. It's a fun gig. You've worked on developments. So you're hoping those shows get picked up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. More work in the future. It's important to you. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are they doing? Um, <laughs> they have started to televise their morning radio shows on the must-carry national CBC television signal. A number of cities that have these morning shows, they're just getting a, a camera turned on in the radio booth, and, and it's it's radio on the TV. Content. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've, I mean, you would you would tip me that you were going to talk about this, and I because I hadn't really heard about this, and I and I looked at it. I mean, when it comes to Q being on TV, I absolutely see the merits of showing interviews on TV. I mean, it's merit not for merit everyone. might be a stretch. I mean, I know why they did it. Like the, yeah. we have these celebrities here, anyhow. Might as well turn a camera on. Yeah, and interviews can make good TV. As I was looking into this, I got distracted to end up watching a bunch of Dick Cavett interviews yeah. from like six. It's like, oh my god, like these I could watch these for weeks. They're amazing. So I, it can it, the principle of on principle the interviews can make good TV. But I see what you mean about the um, uh, turning a camera on on a morning show is something. It, of questionable value. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are shows like like the old Dick Cavett show, or, or or even like uh, Steve Pakin the Agenda, where it's like, well, what is the added value of this being TV as opposed to just putting this on the radio? And and sometimes it actually can work in a strange way. It just slows down the whole TV thing, and you're just sort of in like a dark room with two people. And it can be compelling TV, but those people are were making a TV show. Mm-hmm. Matt Galloway and yeah. the other radio hosts who are doing like they're making a radio show. That's their product, and now they've got a camera in their face. And it's just seemingly an effort to take up space so that you don't have to put something else on. I mean, I guess they figure, well, we're making the show anyhow. And it's, it, it reminded me of this other thing that's happening right now uh, where they just handed over prime time to Rogers for the hockey broadcasts. Mm-hmm. And now that it's playoffs, it's, it's, it's estimated that it's going to be over $100 million in lost advertising revenue. And when challenged about why are you doing this and Rogers is making all this money and you're just handing over the, the, the public airwaves to a commercial broadcaster for them to make that money, uh, not that they're doing so great with it, but uh, the CBC said, no, this is a good thing. This is financially uh, responsible for us because we don't have to spend money on original programming during those time slots. Mm-hmm. I don't have to spend money on original programming on television because I don't have a TV station. You're right. There's some merit to filming TV shows made for TV or interviews made for TV. It's weird. And I was surprised to hear it. And I don't know. And I don't know all of the specifics of the economics of the Rogers stuff. So, I mean, I don't know if I can give my opinion one way or the other, if you could even trust it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, this kind of ongoing depressing saga of the CBC and what could they possibly do with everything that's happened to turn this around. And I've been advocating you can kind of let the disease infect the whole organism or, or you can cut off the gangrenous limb. And to me, the gangrenous limb is television and that they could redouble their efforts to be a news organization, to be, you know, they, they make all of this noise about that they're putting digital first and that the radio is the crown jewel. But meanwhile, it's clear like they're, they're burdened by their need to fill up this TV mm-hmm. station with programming and everything else is dying in the wake of it. Like they, they on the same day that they released the uh, the Gameshi report, uh, two hundred and forty plus jobs uh, in local newsrooms 
were lost. That was the day that the, that the layoffs came. And it's an obviousity to most people in this country that, like, we want CBC to do local news before we want them to do sitcoms and dramas. And mm-hmm. I'm also asking you to implicate yourself and alienate yourself from your industry in discussing this <laughs> with you because, you know, as, as you're, you're in, in, in a world where people are trying to get CBC television shows. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, you see both sides of it. And I can say I think they're at least in the television area taking a, a smarter perspective in development because I've kind of had my head in a couple rooms and I like the direction they're going. And I think it's more focusing on smaller things and, and things that are unique and of value to Canadians rather than just – copying American things or trying or rolling the dice on a really big thing going for some more smaller shows. I would love to see them focus on on web content more. Like I think yeah. they've they've dipped their toes into that a bit. But I'm at the star right now and it's really cool to see them really making a real honest taking a real honest risk on shifting their focus from print to online and the the tablet edition they're coming out with. And just to see them really making a real investment and not just dabbling in it, they're really going to put a lot of resources in it and like hiring 60 new people. And I would love to see CBC make a similar commitment like that and just experiment a little because nobody knows exactly what's going to happen in five years. But I would like to see them setting themselves up more for the future because television, whether or not it has merit relative to other TV channels now, having some sort of visual medium in five years that Canadians have an outlet in would be great. And CBC should be a part of that, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that, you know, the future includes television. It just won't be television. Yeah, it's so it's so blurry. It's really it's strange and exciting at the same time. Like I'm doing right now, I do these weekly two minute videos, and it kind of feels like TV in a way, but they're just these little bite sized things. And they're commentaries, but the star seems to be paying for like pretty good post production. And, and uh, yeah, they do kind of illustrations around me, so it's this sort of like little bite sized two minute piece of content that I'm really proud of. But I mean, a couple of people have asked me like, what you know about developing this into a TV show or something, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I don't have a TV idea yet, but it's it would be great to create a space where you could have these things that aren't half hour television shows. These because I think those things are just those sort of uh, restrictions are just going to keep melting away. You kind of become aware of the inefficiencies of the TV system when you start making web video because mm-hmm. like you make a video for the star, you have an idea, you write it, you film it, you, you can still do posts that like the production values are as good as a lot of stuff on Canadian TV, and then you put it out there to an audience. If you want to make a TV show like that, you're going to go through months and months of development. Mm-hmm. And then, then you're going to have to get like the full, you know, unionized production mechanism. If you're lucky enough to make the pilot, then to, to, get, to make the series, you're, you're talking about a year from concept to shooting. If it's a hit, ultimately, it'll be because a little clip of it becomes a web sensation. Yeah. I mean, we ran into the same thing with this, with the Picnic Face, the sketch group I was in, where we got known doing web videos, and that's where we got our kind of satisfaction. But then we we had an opportunity to make a half-hour show, and we were able to do that, I think, in a way that worked as a half-hour show. But we were also able to kind of split off these modules and put them, these individual sketches, and put them online. And I think that could have been all better organized to get to a wider audience, but... 
we were dealing with the restrictions of of the industry and the medium that I think could I, I'm wary of running into again. So I, as a creator, I get complete satisfaction from creating this piece of visual something and being able to share it. But I mean, it's it comes down to money. As I make okay money, but I mean, you make big money making a hit TV show. Yeah, it's, it can. You, but the, the whole concept of a hit TV show is sort of a weird one. When you you had a hit web show and you and and you had not a hit TV show, you had good ratings in the Canadian context for your TV show. It's a great example, actually, what happened with you guys in Picnic Face because. On the web, you reached a global audience. Will Ferrell was a fan. You had a video that had like 26 million views. Was it on on TV long enough for people to realize it was on and for it to really find its audience? Did it really have the support of the network? In terms of connecting with an audience, it seems to me that Picnic Face, you didn't graduate to TV. You almost kind of like, you had a much smaller audience in a sense, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're relying on, on appointment television a little more, which was just melting away with people our age and uh, – and our fan base is just often people a lot younger than us too. And I, th- and there was like geo blocking where people couldn't watch it outside. But I mean, I've had this conversation with people in the group that are like, maybe we should have just stuck with online, but I'm like, yeah, but I don't think we would have produced hardly any more videos. It took so much work to make those videos. People don't, I mean, even with these Toronto star videos, the most basic thing, like, Yeah, I go in and they have a studio set up and a green screen and lights and a camera and a guy it's still a lot of work for a really simple things. So to make those sketches was, we just couldn't have done it without a TV show. So it's yeah, video takes forever. To, yeah. just just to get an idea. We just lighting alone yeah. and lighting and sound makes such a big difference with how with the quality of something to make it just not look like a cheap piece of crap. I've learned a lot going through this process, and right now to come back to CBC, that all feeds into my reasoning of like it would be nice to have some the resources of CBC, like, put into web content a little more because they have this whole infrastructure. And just to see a, some more resources for that, just to experiment because nobody really knows yeah. what's going to be happening. So it's, yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's a great idea. That is your Canada Land Shortcuts for this week. You can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I'm on Twitter at Jesse Brown. Scott, where can people find you? Vroman for Senate. V as in Victor, R, two O's, M as in Michael, A as in Apple, N as in Nancy, F-O-R, Senate.com. One zillion strong for Scott Vroman for Senate on Facebook. The website is canadalandshow.com and the crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. I make this show with Katie Jensen. The next episode of Canada Land will be up on Monday. If you like this show... Support it.